even if something happens the next day and they never go back to learning Spanish for whatever reason, they're always going to have that memory. They'll always have that moment mm -hmm. and that memory of meeting that little friends at this event mm -hmm. and seeing mom and the parents just beaming at them with the pride. Like, oh my gosh, I can't oh, believe my kids. Of course. You are listening to episode three, season two of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Are you ready to pack your bags, lay on a beach, and have the Spanish immersion vacation of your dreams? On today's show, I have a Latina mom of two that's going to help us do just that. She's reinventing the Spanish immersion experience with lessons and activities our abuelas would be proud of. She's a modos lover and founder of dual language family, Kathy Galloway. Join us as we talk about the inspiration behind empowering families and helping low-income communities through her company's Spanish reading program. She tells us tips on how she's raising bilingual daughters and how she's passing down her favorite Dominican recipes. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real, learn tips and tricks from other moms like you, and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rock star wife, mom to four-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Danny Perez. Hola, hola. How are you? I hope that you're doing well. What did you think about episode two with Sara Gatti? I hope that you guys liked it. I hope that you connected with her and contacted her so that you can get your beauty counter freebie. She had a freebie for you. So if you missed it, uh, I suggest you listen to the episode or connect with her at Sara S-A-R-A underscore Godby, G-O-D-B-E-Y on Instagram. And just tell her, tell her, hey, Jenny at the Latina Mom Legacy told me to reach out and I want my freebie. <laughs> All good, right? A ver, ¿qué les cuento? Now that, you know, going through day-to-day, -day, working out, drinking water, uh, trying to be good, trying to stay on top of my goals. That was part of episode one. Trying to stay focused. Focus is my word of the year. So doing good physically. I'm not doing so great with my food, unfortunately. I just, I get so busy and it gets, it gets a little difficult to plan around my food and stuff. But I started talking with, a new mom that I will have on the show and she's kind of inspired me to kind of get on my feet with my eating habits and stuff. So that'll be in a couple weeks or maybe the next episode. I'm not sure. I mean, Victoria has started her therapy sessions if you're not in the loop with what's been going on. So basically, I was a little concerned because she's had anxiety for a while and she has a lot of separation anxiety it's no secret. My husband is a traveling musician. He travels a lot. He's awake quite a bit. And it it has a toll and it affects us differently. And, you know, she's little, she's four, and I'm being proactive and I'm seeking the help that I think that she needs and that I need so that I can have the tools to better cope and better deal with her emotions and and so far it's been going good we've we've done three sessions i'm keeping a journal about her emotions and we're doing a lot of talking and trying to express our feelings it's been good it, it's a slow journey to begin with i believe we're on the right path so i'm definitely gonna keep you guys updated as to how how she's doing but she's she's a good kid i love her so we're we're doing good on today's show, I'm so excited. I have Kathy Galloway from Dual Language Family. I want you guys to start thinking about where you want to go. <laughs> yes, because after you hear today's show, you're going to want to pack your bags, probably go on a, a trip with your familia. If you pack your bags and go with me, it would be awesome. <laughs> I'm really excited to share this with you. So Anyway, espero que les guste. Have a great week and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Hello, Kathy. Hi. Hi, Jenny. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm really happy to be here with you. 
I am so excited to have you on today's show. First, let me tell our listeners how I know Kathy. I don't personally know Kathy, although I think that we will know each other personally because she has a fantastic organization and company, and I just can't wait to share that with you. I reached out to her on Instagram because when I found out what she does, I was like, oh my gosh, she is amazing. Like, I totally want to be a part of this. So I I just, I can't wait for her to share uh, what she does with you. So thank you for being on. No, thank you for asking me. I'm glad to get the chance to share more about what we're doing at Dual Language Family and, and just get to know you a little bit. Awesome. So this is Kathy Galloway. And Kathy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'd love to. I, uh, I live in Dallas currently with my husband, Mike, and my two kids, my two daughters. Amalia is about to be 13, at the dangerous age of 13. <laughs> and my... <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> And my youngest is Layla, and she is about to be 11. They're really typical 11 and 13-year-old girls, really involved in their schoolwork and outside of school. They play basketball. They play tennis. They volunteer. They're, they're great kids. I'm originally from, born and raised in New Jersey, actually, not too far. I think you're in New York, right, Jenny? Yes, I'm, I'm in Clifton, actually. It was insane. I was born in Patterson and lived my whole life in Passaic. And I lived a couple of other places there before I left Jersey. My family is from the Dominican Republic. So my parents were born and raised in DR and then immigrated to the U.S. in the 70s. Living in New Jersey was an incredible experience, as I'm sure it is still for you living there, uh, mm-hmm. just being involved with so many cultures and so many um, Latinos. But around the age of 27 or so, I moved with um, Nextel to Virginia. I was working with Nextel at the time. They they were Nextel. Now they belong part of Sprint. And I moved to Virginia. I was there for about a year And it seemed like I liked being away from the chaos of my gigantic family. Uh, And from there, I moved to to Texas. And I went to UT to get my my MBA. And I've never looked back. And it's been about 15, 17 years maybe at this point. Uh, My husband at the time was my boyfriend. He followed me shortly. And and we've been here ever since and raised our family in Texas, and and we've really loved it here. It's a great place for families, and and our careers have done well in this part of the country too. So, so yeah. So we're we're happy to happy to be living in Dallas these days. And also, we've got a little puppy. His name is Oscar. Oscar Aww. is our monkey. Of course, he's part of the family too. Sure. Now, is your husband Latino? Yeah, he's actually African American. Uh, we met in New Jersey through a really good friend of mine, um, Daisy Bolivar. She's my my really good Colombian friend who who loves to take credit for having uh, brought us together and have such a fruitful marriage. And she certainly um, deserves all the credit for that, my dear friend Daisy. So so he's African American. However, he um, he has worked hard over the years to try and pick up the language. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been really great that way. When he graduated from uh, Rutgers with his MBA, he spent three months in the Dominican Republic, um, wow. immersing himself in language and learning that before he moved out to Texas with me. So he's got a pretty good base. Um, he doesn't get a chance to to use it as much as any of us would like, but but he he does well with understanding and picking up the language quite a bit these days. Oh, that's awesome! That's wonderful. So, Kathy, let's talk a little bit about your daughters. And now you said they're 11 and 13. And do they speak Spanish? Yeah, actually, there are so many details to that, to that question. It's like a loaded Uh, question, right? (laughs) It is. It really is a loaded question. Um, And I would start by saying that I have been incredibly, we are incredibly lucky to be in a school district that has dual language programs. Mm -hmm. And for those who may not be familiar with dual language programs, um, they're designed, the majority of them are designed 
to bring Spanish native speakers and English native speakers together to learn both language languages um, at, at an equal level so that as they go up through elementary school and into middle school, that they have a, a really strong foundation in both languages and are on the path to biliteracy. And so my girls, luckily, uh, in kindergarten, were able to enter a dual language program at our local school district. And my almost 13-year-old has been in that program since kinder. She is about to enter eighth grade, actually. We just registered last night for her eighth grade classes, which include mm -hmm. a Spanish um, AP-level class. So by the end of eighth grade, she will have fully mastered the language, at least according to, to the school system. Wonderful. And and she's ready to take an AP level test in order to get college credit. So we've been really lucky to participate in that program. And that's one uh, aspect of it, certainly. Mm -hmm. They are really great at reading and understanding the language. Of course, the more difficult part is having that fluency and that level of confidence and comfort with the language mm -hmm. to really the way a native does. Uh, and I'm a native speaker. I learned Spanish with my parents at home. But as is true for most Latinos who were born and raised in the U.S., over time, English became my dominant language. So mm -hmm. much so that people hear me now talking and I don't sound like I speak Spanish. I don't, they don't hear mm -hmm. a Spanish accent. Unless they can pick up that Jersey bit in me yeah. sometimes. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. And so unfortunately... You know, over the years, especially living in Dallas, where my family is not present, there we have mm -hmm. no roots in the area. Um, we really just lost, I lost that connection with the language over the course of the years. And I've been terrible, terrible at keeping the language alive at home. And so in that way, I try to focus more on the things that come a little easier to me, which mm -hmm. is going to be music, which is always present in our household. It's going to be the things that I cook at home, the recipes that I make. And then I make it a real serious point to connect them back to my parents and to my other mm -hmm. relatives that do a really good job of talking to them in the language. So it has not been perfect. And, and I don't feel like they are their Spanish is at the level I would want them, um, mm -hmm. would have hoped them to be. But considering yeah. they've been in dual language and have access to my parents, they really do quite a good job with, with the language. So it, it's a work in progress. <laughs> well, I say that some Spanish is better than no Spanish. This journey is not a perfect one. It's not a carved one. Everybody's situation is so different because sometimes you have both parents speaking Spanish at home all the time. Sometimes you're Latina and you're speaking Spanish or you try to speak Spanish with your family, but your family is away. Like my family is away. So you're not, they're not exposed to it as much as far as the environment, but kudos to you for exposing them beyond the house. As far as, you know, that dual language school, it really takes a village. It, it's not a one person job. And I think that a misconception when I get moms asking me, how do you do it? And well, I work with my daughter a lot, but I'm not alone. She goes to Spanish classes. She speaks with an accent, with an American accent. Like, is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. Can she roll her R's? No, not really. I'm like, that's okay. I'm going to continue pushing. Some Spanish is better than no Spanish. But I know that in the end, when she's older, as I'm sure you do as well, they will benefit greatly from the second language that, that they have, or they will have, I should say. No, I love exactly what you're saying. And I, I want to come back to this point of not seeking perfection when we talk about the, the company I have and, and what we're doing with that, because it's such an important thing to ingrain in kids, especially kids who are learning Spanish in a school environment. Um, school is, is intended to show you exactly how to do something. And that's easy when you're talking about multiplication table, uh, where the only thing that you need to grasp is the concept. With language, it's not only a, an understanding of the concept, but it's also muscle memory in your mouth and, and practice, and you can easily get discouraged in that process. So mm -hmm. it's really important, not only for you to be okay with them making mm -hmm. the error, but to be example that errors are okay, that it is not about perfection, mm -hmm. exactly. but it is about the intention. That's great. Exactly. 
Are you a parent wanting to raise a bilingual child que hable español? Well, I have a freebie just for you. Simply go to the latinamomlegacy.com to download your free 20-page How to Raise a Bilingual Child guide with personal tips, toy recommendations, and much more. Remember, your journey doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to start somewhere. That's the latinamomlegacy.com. I'm so excited to share with everyone and talk a little bit about dual language family. Yes, so dual language family started as a nugget of an idea probably the first year my daughter went into kindergarten. And I didn't start the business until about three years ago. So so it took a while for me to, to put it into motion. But I felt early on that as a fluent bilingual speaker, I was having difficulty encouraging the use of the language outside of school. And it got harder and harder as the girls started to learn more and more of the language. It's easy to say, let's talk about the body parts and let's identify things in the room. When they are starting to read chapter books in particular, mm -hmm. that becomes a little harder with how you can encourage and support them. And I felt that there are a million resources out there for people who want to begin to learn a language. Yeah. But once you're child was past a certain point where the basics didn't really help them, there really isn't a lot out there. With soccer or math, you can go really deep in content and learning for a long time mm -hmm. with both of those. But there just wasn't that for language. Yeah. And so this is where this idea came to life, particularly thinking about the peers in her classroom. And this is where the idea for dual language came from. I wanted an opportunity to help parents who were unable to push their kids further in the language, either because they didn't know how or they didn't have the time or they just didn't have the language. So you started with the blog and then you continued with events. I started with a blog where I started to post up uh, some content, some ideas. I've got Wonderful. my most popular blog post is about how to do a movie night when everybody in the house doesn't speak Spanish. So how do we all get a little mm -hmm. bit out of this? Yeah, we don't all speak the language. And that really kind of started the ball rolling. And from there, I decided to do events. I've started with only a handful of events so far. We had a cooking class and a painting class. And the classes are designed to expose the kids to more than just the activity, but to encourage them to talk to each other in the language. Wonderful. And even take the knowledge a step further. So our cooking class was to make pupusas from Ecuador. Mm -hmm the chef was Ecuadorian. So we did a little lesson about Ecuador and the kinds of kids that are in Ecuador. What are things about them that are the same as us? Mm -hmm. What is different about them? And then worked on the pupusas and got to eat them and take the recipe home. And, and that was really the second way that we really started to engage with parents in this. Were these classes held in Dallas? Yeah, they were done here locally. For the cooking class, we partnered with a local cooking school here called Taste Buds Kitchen. Our painting class was at a local art studio. And there we brought uh. in a Puerto Rican art teacher who mm -hmm. came in she a custom painting for us. So we try to create these events in a really custom way, but unfortunately they are local. And then this kind of led to the third part of your business, which is trips. Yeah, that's the part that I'm all excited about, people. That's where I want to, like, go dive all in. Tell us about these trips. I love that you're excited about them because I was personally looking for a way to travel, which I want to do all who day, every day. I mean, who doesn't want to travel? I want to see the world. And if I can take my little girl with me speaking multiple languages, woohoo! <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. So that, that was really the inspiration for me is I would like to take a trip. I would like to take my kids. I would like them to go deeper on the language, but not make it just about the language. I want it to make it, make fun it for them. Fun. At the end of the day, they have to have fun. 
So making it feel like it is something that's tied to fun and not just schoolwork and grades and tests was Mm -hmm. really important to me. And that's how I came up with the idea for our Spanish immersion vacation. And so we had our very first one this past summer. We spent six days and five nights in Cancun. And we were at at an all-inclusive resort in Cancun, which was fantastic for the parents, right? All the pools you need, the Mm -hmm. beach was there. Yes. Uh, all your there's really no work no pressure for mom and dad it was a full family event and several of the days I had the kids with me and my assistant Gabby who's actually a Mexico native she and I then worked the camps together and that first year my sister who is a 10-year educator veteran of the Texas education system and she partnered with me on that first one Mm -hmm. Um, we had several days almost in a classroom setting but we were not teaching Spanish it was really about activities and and fun that would help them use the language learn more vocabulary all building up to two fun events that were off the property. The first one was a visit to Caritas. It's actually a global nonprofit that has a chapter in Quintana Roo, which is the state in which Cancun exists, and then left that volunteer organization, or I'm sorry, that nonprofit Mm -hmm. organization, and went on an excursion in the Mayan jungle. Wow. We went to visit that nonprofit in Cancun for the first half of our field trip day. And we partnered up with them to to do a one-to-one kid match. So for each one of our, I believe we had 14 kids in our camp Mm -hmm. last summer. For each one of our kids, we partnered them up with one of the kids that lives in the community that Caritas serves. Oh, I love that in advance of our visit, we wrote a little hello card. We packed up a little gift. It really was the highlight of the trip and really of my dream of what I was hoping this would come to fruition. Kids partnered up together. They played uh, different games to kind of get to know each other. Of course, everything obviously was in Spanish. At the end, in pairs, they came up and introduced their friends. You know, my name is Mac. This is my friend. (laughs) you know, Jonathan, and talked a little bit about them. They exchanged gifts, and then they just kind of hung out and got to know each other. And then we turned in our donation, which we actually raised almost $1,800 to turn into them through a a fundraising program called our Readathon that I'll talk about in a second. Tell us a little bit about Caritas and why you guys were there, because you said you took donations. What is that about? as I've been saying now, right, this was really about helping the kids get a little bit more comfortable with the language outside of school. How do we get them to do more and more with the language? And I knew that going to this trip, I wanted to partner up with a nonprofit, um, but I wanted to raise some funds so that the kids, our kids would feel a sense of connection when visiting them. Like we're not just showing up just to take up space and take Mm -hmm. time from Mm -hmm. people who are trying to do good in their community, we are there for a purpose as well. So what part can we play in order to help them and support them? And that's where the idea for a fundraiser came to mind. But I have to tell you, I hate fundraisers. Like Mm -hmm. my kids, who who likes asking for money I mean that's just like hey can you help it's just like let's keep it real something came across my life I don't remember where or how that was a -a readathon which is like any other a-thon you can think of except that what you're doing in order to raise funds is reading and I thought this is perfect it's such a perfect match to what we are doing here and so last year we had our first and and coming up at the end of February and into early March we will have our second annual readathon program and during the readathon each child will commit to about 10 sessions of reading the, all the content that they're reading should be in Spanish and it can be anything they want to read over the course of the two weeks the child and the parent can decide what's an appropriate session kindergartners might be a 10 minute reading a 
fifth grader might be a 30 minute reading. And obviously the books are all appropriate because you're choosing what's appropriate for your child. So for each of those sessions that the child is committing to read, friends and family will then sponsor them and donate money in order to raise funds for our nonprofit. And so this is what we did last year, and we had all of our kids participate, and even kids who were not going on the trip, this is not tied to your participation in the trip, anyone can participate, and Wonderful. all the funds that are raised then go directly to the nonprofit that we will visit this summer. So I'd love for all of your audience members to participate in that. It's such a great way, again, to get your kids to do a little bit more reading. Uh, hopefully, some of your, your fans will, will join us in the readathon. I think it's such a great incentive, not only for kids to encourage their Spanish learning and to get them reading, but it's also a commitment for us, the parents, to commit to sit with them. And for each session, let's try to get some donations or let's get family sponsorship, if you will. Tell us a little bit about Caritas, about these children. Do they have uh, access to education? Are they poor? What is the deal? <laughs> yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and Caritas, as I said, is actually a global organization. So they have chapters uh, around the world. I believe it started in Italy. In Cancun or in Quintana, Quintana Roo and all of Mexico, all of the chapters in Mexico are really focused on the lowest economic level in the country. So they are really working with the poorest of the poor in the country and supporting mm -hmm. them on a number of issues that they have. So it starts with some of the basics. So they uh, obviously donate a lot of food and have a food pantry for mm -hmm. families to come and shop in, but they also help with health care they also have uh, services for employment. So if you want to find a job or need help with uh, oh, unemployment, they do that. So it's a really full suite of services that Caritas has. And when we were there, they went out into the community and just recruited kids that could be there. Kids that are serviced by Caritas, again, would be the kids with low resource, low economic resources that live in the Cancun area. And that was really great for the kids to experience that and participate in that. So I think the thing, again, I said that before, that I was most happy about the way it came together and just most proud of what we were able to accomplish was I never thought we would have gotten that much money raised. I thought if we can raise 500 bucks and I'm going to put 300 into the pot, then I'm, I'm a winner. That sounds oh, great. Just, just you wait. We're going to raise way more money. Just you wait. It was just so great. <laughs> and they uh, were so thankful about the dollars too. I have to say that they were such great people over at Caritas. It was wonderful. For me, my daughter is being raised here, but at some point I want her to have that experience to see how other children live, to see how blessed we are with even just running water. Right. I mean, bringing that connection with the kids that they're making this donation, seeing where firsthand where that money is going to, I think that that leaves an impression in them. I mean, at least that's my opinion. It certainly did for me, but it just, it opens their view of the rest of the world. I want my daughter to be aware, be a citizen, grow up to be a citizen of the world, to be aware of what's happening, to have a voice, to speak up for things that she believes in, for to speak up for those that can't believe, that can't speak for themselves. And I think that there are little things that we can do as parents that will get them on that road. So I'm totally signing yeah. up. I want everybody yeah. to sign up. I'm going to keep you accountable. <laughs> if you'd ask the kids, this is probably what they would say was the highlight of the trip for them. We got a chance to walk through an active Mayan village. That's so cool. We had to be really respectful, no pictures, no raising our voice. We walked through. They had prepared a feast for us. So we got to enjoy their property. We went zip lining. We went canoeing. <laughs> and That's yeah, awesome. We ended our time there swimming in a cenote, which is uh, a natural pool. Um, mm -hmm. That sort of comes out of a, through a cave, a cave that is filled with water. It becomes a cenote. It's like a natural pool. And there was a little cliff. The kids got to jump into the water. And that was 
people. It was a really exciting part of the trip. So then when we went back to the hotel for our final day of camp, what we really spent our time on was talking about what did we see? What did we see driving through the streets of Cancun? What did we see at the volunteer event? What did we see at the Mayan village? Conversation. Yeah. And to really bring home the point that we and them are not that different. That there are love that love that so important, such an important message to our children that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, what your skin color is, what you look like, what your hair looks like, deep down made of the same thing. Yeah. Taking that idea home that yes, there are things that are different, but there's so much more about us that is the same. And this language helps us to connect through those things. That experience, them associating that with something positive, with something fun, that's going to make them associate Spanish with a very memorable experience. Exactly. And that to me is so important that even if something happens the next day and they never go back to learning Spanish for whatever reason, they're always going to have that memory. They'll always have that moment mm-hmm. and that memory of meeting that little friends at this event mm-hmm. and seeing mom and writing this little poster board and, and the parents just beaming at them with the pride. Like, oh my gosh, I can't oh, believe my kids. Of course. <laughs> so if somebody wants to go on one of these trips, how far in advance? Like, do they need to get on your mailing list? Like, what what is the process? I'm actually finding that what is going to be most successful for us going forward, I believe at this point, is to actually do custom trips. So last year- Yes! (laughs) Yes! I'm here, I'm practically jumping up and down because I haven't told Kathy this, but when I first reached out to her, I was like, oh my God, I see a Mi Legacy Mama trip. I'm like, I, w- I want to like get get the moms together with the kids. So many people that I've connected with. We live in different states. I'm like, how fantastic would it be to just like get all you girls together with the kids, have somebody to help us out, have some drinks, have some party. And guess what? They're going to be learning Espanol. Hola! Yes, <laughs> exactly. I, you actually nailed something so important that is being there with people that you know, and for the kids to have already a reason for a rapport that's not just the trip makes all the difference. So even though your your listeners may not all know each other, coming in under that premise that we all are believing the same thing, we're coming at this yes. from the same thing, it really makes a difference. That's a little bit what happened with 2020 trip. I was intending to do an open trip, but about a week after I arrived from our Cancun trip from 2019, two women from a local school district here reached out to me and said, could you please do this just for our school district? We could come up with Mm -hmm. 10 families. We know they'd be interested. Let's do that. And over the course of about 60 days, I pulled the trip together. I got the families all together, got them all booked and, and ready to go. We've got a Facebook group going just for them. And they're so excited about it. And so I'm I'm excited. (laughs) I'm like 2021. Where are we going, ladies? Start thinking, send me DMs, send me emails, start planning now because you have to plan ahead. I'm a planner. We have to plan in advance. Do you want to go to Mexico? Do you want to go, I don't know, Punta Cana? I don't know. I have like all crazy ideas. I'm going to travel the world. So they're going to learn Espanol. I'm really excited. I love it. I love it. Kathy, where can people connect with you? So they can find us on Facebook and on Instagram. And our website is www.duallanguagefamily.com. So reach out to me if you are interested and think there might be a custom trip for you or your school or your family. And we can figure out a solution if you have a need. Kathy, let's talk a little bit about your traditions growing up. You said you're Dominican and your family's Dominican. So what type of things that I, I know habichuelas con dulce. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because actually that to me is at the center, at the core of how we connect back to the Dominican Republic and back to my growing up and my experience is so much about the food. My family is gigantic. Uh, my mom is one of nine and she grew up with a mom who was 100% 
hands-on. My grandmother was like a second mom to me. A lot of our experiences together was about food. It was about how we related together. (laughs) It was about the recipes and beautiful to have that experience. And and as I said before, we, you know, my husband and I live now in Texas and we're separate from so much of our family, but food always brings us back to that. And I'm really thankful that my girls are now of an age that they have started to experience food with my mom, that it's not just me cooking meals for them. My girls tease me because I love to make moro. Moro is, is basically rice and beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I love to make that and cook it at home and eat it all the time. But there's so much more than that. For them now, it's about making empanadas with mm-hmm. their grandma, making arepa, which is like a, a cornbread type mm-hmm. of a product a recipe with their aunts and learning and knowing the difference between tostones and mm-hmm. mango and the hundred other ways that we <laughs> Dominicans like to make platanos, which is our which is our thing. And they love it and they they connect to that and they resonate with it because they love they love to eat it because the stuff is delicious. So our traditions are really anchored in food and anchored mm-hmm. in, in make together. I would say another piece of tradition for us is is around the holiday. Christmas is a really big deal for us. And I think the thing they take away a lot is that we have always celebrated Noche Buena. We celebrate on Christmas Eve. That's when we have a big meal. That's when we actually open all of our gifts. That's when the family all gets together where Mm -hmm. we're all dressed up. And I think if there was anything I I would imagine if you asked them, like, what, what are those traditions that you think of? that come from your Dominican side of the family as opposed mm-hmm. to the black side of your family, that's right. what they would go to immediately is that that Christmas experience. And I love that they have that. My re- one regret is that we can't have it the way I had it, that there are not a hundred people yeah. at the celebration, yeah. but maybe five of us. You know, For us, I love the idea of the chaos of it, right? That right. <laughs> literally so many people that yeah, you don't even know who's there. <laughs> yeah, like there's, there's drinking and there's dancing and there's gazillion types of food and everybody brought something and and that experience they obviously miss out on but we try to recreate it as much as possible with my mom and at my mom's house and that is beautiful to me is a big sancocho of life <laughs> all these I love it I love it I think as Latinos the holidays the cooking, the kitchen, the smells, that's uh, what takes you home, what, what brings you back to your childhood, you know, those experiences. And like you, my family's away and trying to recreate that the best that we can is, is sometimes not easy. But I think that when we do take time to recreate the recipes or, you know, if you travel, they still get that sense of family unity. Like I want my little girl to to know that, that no matter you know, where she is, that her family is there. Whether physically or not there in her heart, her family will always be there. Yeah, that's so true. And I don't know if it was the same for you, but I think it took a long time for me to really get that and appreciate it. I think having a family of my own mm-hmm. that to life, it really brought it to life being away from my gigantic family mm-hmm. and finding ways now with our crazy multiple WhatsApp groups and and (laughs) Instagram to find ways to reconnect and be back with them. And I certainly worry a lot now being so far away from family that how do I make sure that they get that and that they take it away because they don't have the same kind of memories. I mean, they have some memories, right? right? My cousin got married a few years ago. They'll never forget all of the cousins sleeping on the first floor on that. Hardwood floor with like thin sheets and basically sleeping like three hours from all the fun. Like they'll have those memories, which I'm just so thankful for. Mm-hmm. It's work to make sure that they get that yes. and learn it, right? Part of the reason why I started Mi Legacy and, and why it's evolved is because I wanted to make sure that she grew up knowing her roots and not just her Latino roots. I want her to know her European roots as well. And I didn't want her to lose that because, yeah, you live in the States. You you kind of create a new life of your own with, with your own family. But part of it is who we are. This is, you know, our, our familia, whether we like it or not, whether they're great or they're bad or whatever. 
they're part of us. Sometimes it helps us identify why we are the way we are, why we, you know, you kind of have to look back at where your family comes from, what their traditions were. I mean, I interviewed my mom last December and I learned so much about what a powerful grandmother, abuela, I had. For the longest time, I, I thought that she was just kind of a stay-at-home mom. I found out that, no, she was out in the fields working with my abuelo and that my oldest aunt was taking care of the family. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shut up. She was out in the fields. Like, she was like macho. Like, she was like working. <laughs> wow, no wonder in our family, the women are such workhorses because we come from that. So it just kind of helps put all the pieces together and at least for me, I didn't want her growing up not knowing that yeah. so that she can tell those stories to her kids and you can kind of continue it moving forward. I love that. That's so powerful. And I, I think that that's exactly the right way to think about it, that that the truth is that they are a whole complete being that you are just one part of them. And there's so much to who they are. Just like for us, I felt many times that Latino families tend to be so hardcore about being Latinos, particularly mm-hmm. those that are have just come to the U.S. And I remember growing up feeling like, well, yeah, but I'm also American. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I am Latina. I'm happy to be Dominican. I'm proud to be Dominican. But I'm also American. I've brought mm-hmm. so much to my life. And I also wanted them to feel, yes, I'm, I'm Dominican. But you know what? I'm also Black. And I'm also American. And exactly. I'm also the world. And there's so much to me. And each of those components of my life bring these incredible, rich, powerful stories. I think that's so powerful for kids today to get that they're not just one thing, that they are unique in this, that they are a whole being and everything they bring to the table is a value. We are back with Kathy Galloway. And Kathy, it is a show tradition that we ask our guests the same round of questions. Kathy, what is your biggest struggle as a mom? I think I struggle most with, and and I say struggle, but also work on constantly, um, not putting my own expectations on my kids and, and trying to recognize every single day that they are unique. I am not them. They are not me. They have their own way of thinking, their own emotions, their own um, goals and objectives and needs. And I need to be able to separate what I want from them for them, especially as they're getting into their teen years with what they want for themselves and how to just support them in their own journey. That is tough. (laughs) I'm not anywhere near having a teenager. Part of my issue is my fears. You don't want them to become their fears. And sometimes what you're afraid of, you think that they're also afraid of that or what impacted you. You're right. They are their own person. Okay. What is a great piece of advice that you've ever gotten from a mom or your mom? I have a couple of cousins who are moms and who whose kids are about the same age as mine and find themselves in the same kind of struggles day to day that you have with a 12-year-old or the preteen. What I find ourselves saying to each other, they say to me and I say to them, is that we just have to take care of yourself, that mm-hmm. you really need to work on taking care of you in order to be able to take care of them because you can easily get wrapped into the stress of it, the emotion of it, just your mind, going back to this conversation about fear, your mind going mm-hmm. off and thinking about the implications long-term and and how things are going to turn out. And mm-hmm. you know what? At the end of the day, I need to be in my best condition in order to help them. I think that's so, it's just so powerful. You're absolutely right. We as moms need constant, I, I'll say constant reminders because Every day is different. And we all have those days where we put everybody and everything else ahead of ourselves. And at the end of the day, you're you're done. The takeaway is that if you do this every day, you're going to get burnt out really quick. And then you're not going to be able to take care of your kids like you want. Finish this sentence. Growing up Latina, I... I really learned to love what it is to be Latina. I loved in, in the whatever way we defined it at the time or even now, I really loved being able to say that I was Latina. I loved seeing people like me. I loved knowing that I was Latina. It really was 
a badge of honor. And, and I'll say that that really started, thankfully, in that high school time frame when Ricky Martin and Mark Anthony and J-Lo were just starting mm-hmm. to make a name for Latino celebrities at the time. Mm-hmm. That's when I really came to be, you know, when you become a person in high school. And it was such a badge of honor. And I was always proud of it. And I I loved being Latina. I loved listening to the music and eating the food mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and being shy about it. And I really appreciate that about the way that I was raised and the universe in which I was raised. I was born and raised, I said before, in, in New Jersey and lived in a place that was it was so diverse, yes, but in my universe, it was heavy with Latinos. And it really allowed me to just to leave leave my home and leave my universe to move out and take that with me. I love that my uh, time growing up included so much of that that allowed me to feel proud of who I am. I love that representation is so important, especially when you have kids. And you know what's funny about that, that... I've constantly been looking for, I don't know what the word is, but confirmation from my girls that they are proud to see people like them on TV because obviously now there's a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. And I find from them instead is an indifference to it. At first, I love that. Yes, <laughs> because now it's commonplace for them. That's wonderful. It's not, it's yes. not a shock to them. I love that. I am so happy about that. We have actually accomplished something yeah. that a 12 and a, and a 10 year old are just not that impressed because they, they see it and they see it everywhere. And I am so thankful for that. It's so wonderful. Yes. We're moving it forward. Love that. Okay. What Latino dish would you like to pass down to your kids and why? My girls, they both cook a lot. We try on a weekly basis for each of them to cook one meal for the family so that they're sharing in that responsibility. And my oldest has already learned how to make moro, my favorite, that rice and beans dish. And she spent time learning how to make empanadas. And she actually makes, we do queso frito, fried cheese, and she makes it all the time. So I feel like we are past the point of a dish. Um, we are really, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we are in the phase you of... <laughs> exactly. Okay, what Hispanic home remedy do you swear by? Uh, hello, Viva Poru? Is there anything <laughs> else? Like, that's it. Conversation over. There's nothing else to discuss in this. Viva Poru. And that's exactly how we say it. My girls themselves will say, hey, I need some Viva Poru. My nose is feeling this or that. And, of course, you got to put it under the nose. you got to put it on the chest, on the back, and on your feet. This yes. is how. <laughs> Viva Poru is the best. And they love even themselves retelling the story of how I discovered that Viva Poru was Vic's vapor rub. Like they thought that was hilarious. And, and they still talk about that. Um, there, there is nothing else in the world that is not Viva Poru. Viva Poru is it. The Latinos <laughs> will keep Vic's Vaporu in business forever. <laughs> And that's it. One demographic alone. That's it. (laughs) Kathy, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's a hard one. And to be honest with you, I think I'm in the age where I'm thinking a lot about it and trying to figure out what that is. And the reason I say that is that legacy to me is different than what do you want people to remember you for, which is, of course, I want people to remember that, that I was kind, that I was loving, that I was generous, that I work on being generous every day. To me, legacy is about something more concrete that I leave behind. And I don't know yet what that is going to look like or what that will be. I think there's something about your kids getting to be old enough for you to envision a future where they are adults. It's easier for me now to imagine them as moms and as entrepreneurs or business mm-hmm. women, educators or whatever they'll be. And even thinking further to them being parents and wondering for myself, what are the things that my kids will say? My grandmother built this. My grandmother left this for us. What What is that thing and what does it look like? So I want it to be meaningful. I want to leave something behind that's empowering to them. And that is not different necessarily than 
creating generational wealth is such an important topic to me. I don't know what the answer is, but if you check in with me in five years, I'm going to have a great <laughs> answer for you. <laughs> I love that. I truly love that because sometimes we don't have the answers to everything in life and that's okay. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Kathy, it has been a pleasure having you on. I am so excited about putting a trip together. So mommies listening, DM me, send me messages. If you want to participate, maybe we can think about something for next year. I think it would be awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us about the readathon. When is the dual language family readathon starting? What are the dates? So we are going to be opening up enrollments for you to sign up and participate in the readathon approximately around February 10th. The readathon itself will start on February 24th and run until March 6th. Uh, so it'll run for two weeks. That'll be the time when um, the kids will be doing their reading sessions and gathering donations. We're going to be pushing this out on Facebook and Instagram so they can follow us there in order to get the notification that enrollment is open. And then, of course, you'll be able to follow along during the readathon on our social media pages just to see how uh, the other kids are doing, to encourage the kids that are on there. We're going to be asking families to send us pictures of them and their kids reading, tell us what books they're reading so that we can share that out with the community and, and help drive some more of those donations for Caritas. So check us out on Facebook and Instagram and, and you'll know exactly when it's time to sign up. Again, to encourage families to read together, to have family time, to encourage literacy and to help support a great cause. Kathy, where can people connect with you? Well, they can find us on our website at duallanguagefamily.com, uh, but we're also on Facebook at duallanguagefamily.com and on Instagram at duallanguagefamily. Uh, so you can find us on any of those. And then um, if they want to reach out to me directly, super easy, Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y at duallanguagefamily.com. Kathy, thank you so much for being on. Ha sido un placer. Hopefully, we'll see you somewhere on a beach. <laughs> yes, can't wait. This has been really fun. I love what you're doing. I love talking to you. I hope this buds into a great friendship. Yes. Let's stay connected. <laughs> and and I can't wait to, to see where, uh, where we get to take all of your followers. It'll be great to do a trip. I just love how Kathy is creating these experiences that will enrich our kids and the lives of niños pobres around the world. I'm ready to pack my bags. Are you? First, let's start with the readathon. Let's get donations and encourage Spanish reading and family bonding. It's so important. Are you in? I know I'm in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. For all of today's recommendations and readathon information, check out the show notes or visit thelatinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you like the show, can you share this episode with a friend? Collectively, we can change many children's lives. Let's connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?